0: to the strange matters podcast here at strange matters we discuss everything that is just outside the norm from the bizarre and unexplained to the supernatural and paranormal and everything in between i am sean and i will be the host for this episode in this show we are continuing our series on presenting creepy and unexplained personal stories sent in to us by our listeners Each of the tales I will be sharing in this episode are experiences that happen personally to our listeners, and they include a range of creepy topics like encounters with ghosts or unknown entities, paranormal activity, and even some potential hauntings. As always, we encourage that if any of you other listeners have your own similar unexplained or creepy tales from your own life, please feel free to write to us and let us know your own story. Now, before we get started, though, I'd first like to apologize for the delay in our episodes this month. Both Eric and I have been really swamped and busy lately, making it hard to get together to record and produce our shows. Fortunately, we have been researching and putting together some good topics and discussions in our spare time and have some lighter schedules coming up. So expect a new bunch of episodes to come out real soon. Also, we are working on a fun episode coming up for those listeners who are zombie lovers like us. So if you're all out there who are into the whole zombie craze and apocalypse, you'll be happy to hear we are putting together an episode that is all about discussing the zombies and the undead apocalypse. In that note, we are encouraging you to take our zombie survival challenge, in which you can answer a few basic questions about living and surviving in the undead world. Then, on that later episode, we will discuss your answers and your chances of survival. But we'll get more into that at the end of the episode. For now, though, we will begin with our first creepy listener story. Our first story was sent in to us by Rob, who shared a disturbing experience from when he was a kid. A quick warning, though, for those of you out there listening who are afraid of clowns, you might get some chills hearing this tale. And this is what he had to say. My name is Rob. I'm a listener from Sydney, Australia. I recently listened to your creepy listener stories and was immediately reminded of my own, which I would love to share with you. When I was six years old, I was returning home with my parents after having dinner with my grandparents. As we approached the front door, we realized the lock was loose. The whole door swung open as my dad tried to put the key in. The first thing we saw was the hallway table that had been knocked over, and there was a broken vase and picture frames on the floor. My parents became tense, and as we walked through the house, we saw more destruction. The whole house had been ransacked from what appeared to be a burglary. My dad told my mom and I to stay where we were, while he checked each room in the house to see if the perpetrator was still around. After a fairly thorough check, he said it was all clear. I was so frightened that I refused to sleep in my room that night. The three of us went into my parents' bedroom, which, unlike the rest of the house, was untouched. Unusually, nothing was broken. My parents tucked me into their bed and told me that everything was going to be alright. My parents' bed directly faced their large closet, and just beyond that, the bedroom extended into their bathroom. All the lights in the room were off, but the bathroom light was on, and I could see my parents standing in the light, talking softly. While I was watching them, I noticed the closet door very slowly start to open. The first thing I saw were long, white, gloved fingers. As it opened further, the dim light started to reveal the shadow face of a clown. He was very tall and slightly fat, and was squatting inside a closet in a full polka dot clown suit. He had pink fuzzy hair and a white face. My parents were still in the bathroom talking softly and obviously couldn't see or hear the clown. I was so frightened that I couldn't move or speak. I just looked at my parents and back at the clown over and over again. He was staring right at me and then very slowly, he put his fingers to his lips in a shh sign, but made no sound. Then he very slowly and silently stepped out of the closet and closed the door behind him. Standing at full height, he was huge and almost reached the ceiling. He then took comically wide, sneaking steps across the bedroom while still staring at me, his fingers still pressed to his lips. He walked right past my parents and out the bedroom door. Almost as soon as he had left the room, my parents left the bathroom and sat on the bed. I was still too petrified to speak about it. The next morning, when I tried to tell them, they just told me that I was dreaming. But I know I wasn't, as it was one of the most vivid memories from my childhood. I have chills just recalling it now. Anyways, just wanted to share it with you guys. I've also included an illustration to go with it. Thanks a lot, Rob, for sending in your story. As someone who has a particular dislike for clowns, this story definitely freaked me out a little reading it. Rob's illustration also makes his story even creepier, and we'll be sure to put it up on our site so that you can check it out for yourself and see what he remembers seeing. Upon further correspondence with Rob and asking him follow-up questions, he said he was convinced that the clown was the same person who broke into the house. He doesn't know why a house burglar would go into the full effort of a full clown costume, but he thinks maybe it's part of a disguise used for other break-ins or crimes when asked if his young mind was overwhelmed with the fear of having his house broken into and maybe he was just hallucinating from the stress. Rob said that when he's told people this story, they usually think it was just his young imagination letting fear take over, but that even if it was all just a hallucination, it felt real to him as an actual person being in the room. Which, even if the clown in the closet is just either imagination or hallucination, it still makes it terrifying to the person experiencing it. Now, speaking of clowns, I wanted to take a moment to talk about a strange and creepy phenomenon going on across America right now. Apparently, lately, people have been having a lot of sightings and interaction at night with clowns. Now, these clowns aren't your typical friendly birthday party type, but more the disturbing, creepy, oh god, please don't kill me type of clowns. Actually one of our supporters on Patreon, Sloan, brought up this subject to us to figure out what exactly is going on with all these clown sightings across the country. I'm sure by now most of you people listening have heard something about these clowns, as in the past month there have been dozens of popular videos posted on YouTube and Facebook of people who have come across these face-painted maniacs. It seems that most of these encounters are made by people in cars, and that the clowns spotted are either along the side of the road, in empty parking lots, or sometimes even waiting in people's driveways. Some of these dress-up clowns simply stare at the person filming menacingly. Others run off into the darkness of the night when they are seen. However, there are a few videos of the clowns actually chasing after the person filming, sometimes even carrying a weapon. There is some debate as to the authenticity of these videos, as some people claim that a number of them look staged, and perhaps people are just trying to cash in on this weird trend by making their own scary video of a clown chasing them. However, others swear that their encounters were genuine and that they had no idea what was going on. Now I can say personally, as I'm sure many of you listening right now would agree, that if I was driving along and saw some clown standing in the middle of the road at night, staring at me, holding a chainsaw or something, that my ass would be out of there as fast as my car could go. What makes the situation even more interesting to us is that some of our listeners have actually had clowns show up near where they live. One of our long-time listeners, Ashley, wrote in on the subject and said, there have been clown sightings near my hometown of Enumclaw, Washington. It happened in Bonnie Lake on October 3rd. Bonnie Lake and Enumclaw are right next door. A school in Bonnie Lake, Antahama went on lockdown after a clown was reported on the campus. And as a result, they did not have school the next day. And another listener, Tony, wrote in and mentioned that they had some clowns that had been seen at night in his city of Greensboro, North Carolina. In the past few weeks, settings of clowns have expanded even further into Canada and Europe. It isn't known now if this is some type of massively planned hoax or prank or some type of weird conspiracy, or maybe it's just simply a fad going through this month, perhaps in the spirit of Halloween. Whatever the case may be, it has led to many people having scary and disturbing encounters with these clowns. So if any of you other listeners have had these clowns show up near where you live, or if you have actually had an encounter or a sighting of yourself, please let us know. In the meantime, we will keep looking into the subject and see if we can figure out what is going on with this new wave of clown terror. For now though, we will fortunately leave the clowns behind and move on with more listener stories. Uh, This second tale was sent in to us by Erica, who wrote, I wanted to tell you my creepy story. It didn't exactly happen to me, but several people around me. I was a single mom, and after my divorce, I moved in with my mother for a while. My son was about three, and he is autistic. He was constantly talking to his friend, and we all figured he just had an imaginary friend. Just things where he'd be in the bathtub singing and talking, and I'd say, Who are you talking to? and he'd say, the boy. I'd say, what boy? And he would point to the water next to him and say, that boy. Things like that. Well, my mother had an apartment upstairs, and we were downstairs. One morning, my mother called me and said that she couldn't find my son. I was confused because she said my son, who called her Mima, went upstairs the previous night and tugged on her hand to wake her up and said, Mima, I sleep with you. So without opening her eyes, she told him just to get in, and she felt him crawl over her legs and get under the covers. I replied to that, Mom, Jace wasn't home last night. He's at his dad's. So it was weird, and it creeped us out a bit, but we figured it was just a dream or something, even though she swears she was awake. Fast forward several years, my son no longer has the imaginary friend. I had moved out, but was spending a day at my mom's, my nephew was also there, and I noticed him throwing one of those big rubber balls into my son's old room and laughing. I asked him what he was doing, and he turns around and tells me in his sweet toddler speech, playing with a boy. Now, he was still really young, and we had never discussed my son's imaginary friend or what had happened with my mom around him, because by that time we had all forgotten about it. Needless to say, we were all extremely creeped out after that. But we figured, obviously, if there was something in my mom's house, it hadn't bothered anyone in the previous 16 years that she had lived there. And it wasn't really scaring the kids, so we just decided to live and let live. Or not. Thanks, Erica, for writing in. I can see how she and her family would get freaked out, thinking that there perhaps was some spirit or ghost of a young boy that Erica's son and nephew were playing with. However, like she said, if there was anything paranormal going on, apparently it wasn't anything harmful. And though it might have been a freaky occurrence, perhaps the whole thing could just be attributed to childish imaginations. Next up is an unexplained story sent in to us by Fallon, who also shared another creepy story on our previous episode in this series as well. Once again, Fallon actually sent in an audio recording of her story, so let's let her tell the tale.
1: Hey, uh, my name is Fallon, and uh, I lived in the Midwest for a spell as a child. Um, I moved out there from Massachusetts when I was seven years old. Um, We lived on a a gigantic farm in the middle of nowhere, um, near Roswell, South Dakota. I don't know if anybody knows where that is because it's a tiny-ass town, but... um, It was a big-ass farmhouse. No animals on it. Um, The first night we moved in, everywhere was completely covered with flies. And... uh, I woke up with spiders on me multiple occasions. I am not arachnophobic, but this story is how I developed a phobia of flat places and being outside at night with the night sky, um, agoraphobia, I think it's called. I'm not afraid of crowds, I'm just, I just don't like being exposed, um. So, I was about seven years old, and I remember going to bed that night, but I don't remember waking up. Well, I mean, I remember waking up where I wasn't supposed to be. I was about a mile away from the house, according to my father, who found me, um, standing in my nightgown, no shoes on, and my feet were bloody, because they were um, thorny pricker bush thingies. They're small little plants with thorns on them, and uh, I was crying because I was lost <laughs> and I, I didn't know how I even got there um, how I got out how I ended up there how I walked so far with my feet um, uncovered, bloody as they were and I, I couldn't see the house and um, we never figured out like how I got out there and I, I feel like I would remember as a 7 year old how I, I got out there but I don't And it took my dad, like, he said about 30 minutes to find me. I was sobbing, so he had pretty good hearing at that time, I think. Um. (laughs) Yeah, and they brought me in, and they yelled at me, and uh, to this day, I don't know how I got out there. When I was a bit older, I actually developed an intense phobia of aliens, I thought I was going to be abducted and experimented on. Even as a teenager, I wouldn't go outside alone at night, because I thought that I'd be abducted and I would be, my skin would be turned inside out, and there was no like reason for this. That's why it's a phobia an a logical fear. Um, I've since gotten over it, but I still don't like being outside alone at night. <laughs> I've had people tell me that they that maybe I was abducted or maybe I was sleepwalking or uh, just a multitude of different things and I honestly couldn't tell you what happened. I've never sleptwalked in my life. I don't think I was abducted by aliens. (laughs) I wish I knew what happened in those hours that I was outside but I guess that's one of those mysteries that I'll never know. Uh, Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks, Fallon, for sending in your story. It's certainly an interesting case. I haven't had anything like that happen to me, so I can see why this whole situation would be very puzzling. I know of some people who have sleptwalked, but not to the extent that they would actually leave their house and not wake up until they were some distance away. Now, I have read of similar cases of people going to sleep and coming to in a much different location. And in some of those stories, the people do believe that they were possibly abducted by aliens for one reason or another before being dropped off shortly thereafter. And while that theory is certainly interesting, there is the problem that beyond these people's beliefs or guesses what happened to them, that there really isn't any other evidence suggesting extraterrestrials are messing around. In any case, it makes for an interesting personal mystery, so I'm glad Fallon could share it with us. Now, Fallon is also a fellow podcaster, and she has a show called Minder Pints and Courts, which can be found at ClosetMonsterStudio.com. It's a pretty fun listen, so if anybody out there is looking for another podcast, so please check it out and give it a listen. And moving on, our next personal creepy tale that we will be sharing in this episode comes from Levi, who writes, Hi guys, it's Strange Matters. My name is Levi, and this story is from when I lived in West Jordan, Utah. Here's my ghost story from my childhood. When I was in second grade, I was always in bed by 9 o'clock. And if I stayed up any later, I would get really bad anxiety and wouldn't be able to sleep till very late in the morning. Anyways, one school night, I just couldn't fall asleep. I just laid in bed staring at my closet. I'm not sure if it was my mind making things up out of the darkness or if it really was a ghost. But a figure appeared in my closet. He was wearing a black button-up suit, and his face was a shadow. He stood in my closet staring at me with his arm propped up on my dresser while I stared back at him. I didn't know what to think of it. I just stared at him thinking that it was probably just my clothes in the closet making it look like someone was there. After a few minutes of us staring at each other, the figure reached his hand out to me as if he was about to come grab me. That's when I yelled and turned on my book light I had next to my bed. As soon as the light turned on, the figure was gone. I ran into my parents' room and told them what happened. They just had me sleep in their room that night and pretty much shrugged it off after that. I've yet to see the figure since, which makes me think that was just seeing things. Thanks Levi for sending in your creepy childhood story. Now this tale I can certainly relate to as I had similar situations when I was a kid. I have my own sleeping problems and I can remember at some times when I would be lying in bed at night just staring into the darkness that suddenly I see something like a shifting in the shadows or darkness and it would look like some type of figure would be lurking in the corners of my room. Even if my brain was telling me, no, that's just the rocking chair, or that's just the floor lamp, the longer I would stare at the outline, the more I would start to think that it was actually something else, and that maybe it was even moving. Sometimes I would even swore that I heard it start to make a noise, or start changing shape. In the end though, whenever I truly couldn't shake off the feeling of being scared, just like Levi did, I would turn on my bedside light for for a few seconds and of course, there'd be nothing there. I'm sure many of you listeners have had similar experiences with your mind playing tricks with you in the dark, especially when you were younger. In any case, whether it was just Levi's imagination or if the darkness was messing with his mind, it seemed like it still stood out as a pretty frightening experience. Our next listener's story was sent in to us by Kim, who tells of a possible paranormal activity going on in her job. Kim's story goes like this. Last month, I got a job in a mini-mart to pay for uni, since my savings weren't quite enough. I was only able to take night shifts since I spend most of the day at school and at home studying. When you're on the night shift, you're all alone, but it's not too hard since barely anyone comes in during the evenings. There's an office where employees can hang out when there's nothing to do. There, you can monitor the security cameras and go over what needs to be done. The security cameras even have built-in motion detectors that will alert you if a movement is detected. I spent most of my time there with snacks and playing on my phone while I wait for customers to come in. The other employees describe it as basically getting paid for being alone in a store with the occasional break to help the handful of customers that come in during the night. On my first shift, I immediately noticed something out of the ordinary was going on. The motion detectors would go off when the store was empty and the cameras didn't show anything. Then I began hearing faint voices and footsteps from within the store. The voices would be indistinct, but spoken in the same tone of voice people usually speak in when they're chatting with someone they haven't met in a long time. Even customers would sometimes hear this and think it was me saying something when I really hadn't. I'd usually go to check, but find nothing. The store would be empty. Later, when I was refilling the soda cooler, I started seeing people walk past me in the reflection of the glass door, but there was no one there. This happened several times and I never saw anyone near me. The coolers would also sometimes open and slam quietly shut at random times. You know that feeling you get when you're in a crowded room, that minor claustrophobic sense, and that feeling like people are looking at you? That's how I always feel when I'm closing up the store and cleaning up. It could be paranoia, and I'm just imagining it, but my past experiences lead me to believe that it's not. I've never had the nerve to mention this to my boss out of fear of getting labeled crazy and possibly fired for being unfit. But I'm dead certain there is something going on there. Every night seems to have more going on than the last. I'm not aware that anyone's ever died in the store, but the store had been open since the 1920s, and anything could have happened. Thank you, Kim, for sharing your story with us. As someone who has also had to work the overnight shifts at time, the only thing that could make it worse is if suddenly the place seemed haunted, with unexplained sights and sounds happening. What makes this case interesting is how others also picked up on the same thing, and even the motion sensors seem to be activating as if there was something there. Some could say all of that I just described in Kim's story could be explained with faulty equipment, perhaps overimagination, and even paranoia of someone who was freaked out by being alone at night and maybe just distant sounds coming from another nearby store, perhaps. But there is always the possibility for other explanations. As Kim mentioned, the store had been open for nearly a century, so that perhaps over the long years a few unfortunate souls passed away in that mini-mart, and now have to walk the aisles indefinitely. It would be pretty interesting to know the history and backstory behind such a commonplace business like a mini-mart, and see if it didn't have some type of dark or interesting past that could account for any type of paranormal activity that can't be explained. Whatever the case may be, at least it would make for some interesting shifts. Nothing breaks up the boredom of an overnight job like dealing with ghost shoppers and poltergeists. Our final story of the episode comes from Alex, who had an interesting visitor from when he was young. Alex wrote, When I was a kid, my family rented a two-bedroom house, and I shared a room with my brother. It was an upgrade from the studio that my parents, my brother, and I had shared, but it had a spooky vibe. I vaguely remember it mentioned in passing either the wife or the daughter had died, and that's why the owner was renting it out. Having a backyard and more room was nice, and we dealt with it. One night, though, I heard my brother calling my name, and I woke up, and he pointed and shouted, look, there was a woman floating between our beds. She had a whitish blue glow and was wearing a skirt. Her hair was shoulder length and jet black. But the weirdest thing was that she was topless. I did what any smart kid would do. I left my brother behind and ran straight to my parents' room. I remembered it being cold, like when you open the freezer when I ran past her. My brother the next day was pissed and said that he spent the night with the blankets over his head. We had told our parents what we saw, and luckily, we come from a culture that isn't very judgmental about spirit stuff. So my parents let us sleep in the living room until we were ready to sleep in that room again. My dad said a prayer for the ghost woman and told her to leave us alone. We never saw her again, but we felt her presence a bunch. Looking back now, it was scary, but at least I saw some ghost boobs. Thanks, Alex, for sending in your childhood story there. Now, while I can certainly see how this experience must have shocked and scared young Alex and his brother, you know, I do have to say, if sometime in my life I happen to be visited by some type of spectral being, a topless woman would not be the most unpleasant encounter. It would certainly be less disturbing than the bottomless phantom of a dude. Of course, now that I've said that, I'm quite sure that if my friend and co-host Eric happens to cross over to the other side before me, I can say without a doubt that would be exactly the type of ghostly prank that he would pull on me. And with that lovely image to think about, we will wrap up this episode of the Strange Matters Podcast. If any of you other listeners have your own personal, creepy, disturbing, or unexplained story that you would like to share, or any suggestions for future episode topics, please write to us at podcast at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, strangematterspodcast.com, where you can listen and download to all of our episodes. Now, as I mentioned in the beginning of this show, I wanted to give an opportunity for those zombie lovers listeners out there to interact with us during our upcoming Zombie Apocalypse episode. In that theme, we have put together a short questionnaire, which we are calling our Zombie Survival Challenge. If you'd like to participate in this activity for our future episode, all you have to do is answer four basic questions regarding the zombie apocalypse. Then in a segment in the episode, we will go over your answers and rate your chances of survival on a scale that range from basically being a walking meal to being a veteran survivor of the undead. You can either send us an email with your answers, or visit our Facebook group or our website where we have posts up that you can comment on. And you can as fun, creative, and descriptive as you can, as that will increase your chances of getting a favorable outcome from us as we review your answers. So having said that, the four questions in our zombie survival challenge goes as follows. The first is, what would be your preferred weapon in the zombie apocalypse? The second, what special skills do you have that would help you survive and thrive in the new undead world? Perhaps hunting or tracking, or first aid, or some type of leadership course. The third, where would your ideal base camp or settlement be? In the middle of the city, or perhaps isolated in the woods? And the fourth and last, what would your general strategy be to get through the zombie apocalypse? Would you want to be a group survivor, a lone wolf, a recluse, a professional zombie killer, or anything else? So thanks in advance to those of you who will share your answers and participate in that episode with us. Also a reminder that Strange Matters is made possible by our generous supporters over at Patreon. For listeners who enjoy Strange Matters and would like to help donate to the show, you can visit our page at patreon.com slash strangematters, or visit the Support Us page on our website. As bonus incentives, you can also help us decide what topics to focus on and even gain access to monthly bonus episodes. We would especially like to thank our newest supporters of the show, Gabriel and Liz. And finally, we ask if you are listening to us on iTunes and would like to help the show, please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. We enjoy reading your feedback and it also helps promote the show so it can always reach new listeners. So until the next episode of the Strange Matters Podcast, take care everyone.